If you've read much of the Old Testament, you've come across the angel of the Lord, a very powerful being, apparently divine. Who is he? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah shares what God's Word reveals about this figure and aims to clear up the mystery and misinformation that often surround him. Listen as David introduces today's message, The Angel of the Lord. And thank you for joining us. We're studying angels during these uh, November days. And, uh, you know, angels are a part of this season, as you know. They're already viewable in many places, in homes, and in most of the stores you will see angels. They're a part of the Christmas story. They're a part of the biblical story. They're a part of redemption. Angels show up where important things happen. And the Bible says when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, angels have a party in heaven. They rejoice because you have become a Christian. So um, the angels have to rejoice kind of in a different way because they've never been lost. So they don't ever know what it's like to be saved. We're one up on the angels. We can be redeemed and they can't because they've never uh, sinned. And so they're not in need of salvation. But the angel of the Lord, that's a different uh, subject, and we're going to talk about that today. It's a, it's a term that, that shows up in the Old Testament in strategic places, and whenever the term shows up and the angel of the Lord shows up, something miraculous happens. Who is the angel of the Lord? We'll talk about it in just a moment. Before we do that, let me remind you there are a number of ways you can get involved in this series and preserve this information going forward. Uh, for instance, if you want to teach a Bible study, you can get the book uh, just for a gift of any size during the month of November. Just send a gift and say, send me the book on angels. You can go to the website and get the study guides, which go with that, and and then you get the CD package so you can listen ahead of time. You can facilitate your own Bible study that way. Many, many people are doing that with Turning Point Resources. And one of the things they tell me is they do it because it's all biblical. It's biblical material. It's the Bible. When you come together and give your time to be with your friends and want to be encouraged, there better be some divine truth in there to make it worthwhile. This is not about just sharing our feelings. This is about what God has to say and how we respond to it. So get the material for your small group. And if you already have the angel material, we encourage you to send a gift during the month of November and ask for a copy of the Why the Nativity movie on DVD. You can have that for a gift of any size during November, and you'll have it for the holiday season to share with your friends and your family. It's yours for a gift of any size during the month of November, our way of saying thank you for your investment. Well, here is uh, part one of The Angel of the Lord. One of the truly curious things about our celebration of the Christmas season is the way that so many of us treat the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pageantry of the season would lead us to believe that Jesus, our Savior, actually began his existence in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. While we always seem to acknowledge that his birth was special and worthy of an annual celebration, so many of us, even those of us who go to churches where the Bible is taught, do not catch the core truth of the celebration Christmas, you see, is not the celebration of a unique human born into existence. Christmas is the celebration of God becoming a man in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To say it another way, 
Jesus Christ did not begin to exist in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that he has existed eternally. If Christ is God, and he is, then a part of his very existence must be his eternal nature. Jesus Christ, you see, was God in the flesh. Jesus Christ was God becoming a man. He was the Son of God who became the Son of Man. Or as I have often told people when I was sharing Christ with them for the first time, he is not only the Son of God, but he is God the Son. When Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem, the real story was not the mysterious birth of a man-child, but the magnificent birth of the God-child. Jesus Christ has always existed, but in Bethlehem, he began his 30-plus years of existence as one of us here on planet Earth. Remember how we refer to him at Christmas. We call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if this is not true, men and women, then there is no such thing as an eternal trinity in the Godhead. Some cults deny the trinity for that very reason. If what I am saying to you at the beginning of this message is not true, then Jesus Christ cannot be God because, among other attributes, God is eternal. And more practically, if this is not true, then Jesus Christ lied because he claimed to have existed eternally with the Father. And if he lied to us about this, friends, then how can we believe anything which he said? No, the Bible teaches us that even though he began to be a man at Bethlehem, Jesus Christ has always existed. And frankly, there is a term that we use in studying the Bible and in studying theology. It is called the pre-existence of Christ. It is the doctrine of the existence of Jesus Christ even in Old Testament times before the New Testament was written. Now, that doctrine is not only frequently taught in the Scripture, it is everywhere assumed in the Scripture. And you cannot be a Bible-believing Christian and not accept that because it is the truth of God's holy word. But if that is so, and it is, then the question that is very interesting to me is this. If Jesus Christ did not begin to be at Bethlehem, but has existed throughout eternity, then where was he and what was he doing before he came to be born as a baby in that manger? And a partial answer to that question is the focus of our study today. In the Old Testament, there is an angel that appears from time to time who, when we read about him, is evidently different from all the other angels we have read and studied about during this series. The name that is given to that angelic being is the angel of the Lord. Please note the careful language of my statement. It is not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. You see, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And an angel of the Lord released Peter. Furthermore, the New Testament angel of the Lord never received worship to himself and rebuked those who tried to worship the angel. But in the Old Testament, there is a personage called the angel of the Lord. And as we study the Old Testament scriptures that speak of this angel, 
we will begin to sense that something is truly unique about him. He is more powerful than Michael. He is more communicative in his messages than Gabriel. He has characteristics that when we view him in the context of the scripture seem to be almost divine. And indeed they are. For you see, the Old Testament angel of the Lord is the manifestation of God before Christ came at Bethlehem. Now, there is a term in theology, and I'm not interested in getting into theology because I know what you want to know is what does the Bible say and how can it help me, and I understand that. But there is a term in theology which expresses what I'm talking about, and it's called a theophany. And it's a word which is made up of two Greek words. Let me explain to you what the word means. Theos, theo, means God. And phanareo is a Greek word which means to make known or to show. So a theophany is making God known. And it has come to mean the pre-existent appearances of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now, the angel of the Lord, our angel for today, appears often in the Old Testament in association with people. For instance, among others, he appeared to Hagar in the wilderness. He appeared to Abraham on Mount Moriah when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac. He appeared to Jacob in his all-night wrestling match with God. He appeared to Moses in the burning bush and to the children of Israel in their exodus from Egypt and to Manoah, the father of Samson. As we look at these appearances of the angel of the Lord, we will immediately realize that this angel is different than anything we have studied up until this point. Now, I want to begin by taking you through a little survey of the Old Testament. Let's begin in the 16th chapter of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 16. This is the story of the angel of the Lord and Hagar. Now let me set it up for you so you'll know where we are as you're finding your place there. The story of Hagar is the record of the tragedy and rejection that comes when God is disobeyed. When Abraham and Sarai refused to wait upon God's plan to bring children into their family, they initiated their own fleshly plan. And you remember the plan was that Abraham would father a child by Sarai's handmaid, Hagar, an Egyptian woman who worked for Sarah. Now the result of that rebellious act was the birth of Ishmael. And something else happened when that child was born. If you've read the story carefully, Hagar and Sarah became enemies one of another. There was jealousy and envy and a great deal of hatred between the two. And since Sarah was in charge, she had had it up to here with looking at Hagar and knowing that she had done for her husband what she herself had not been able to do. And one day she had had it with Hagar and she didn't want to see her anymore. And she banished her to the wilderness, just kicked her out of the house and sent her to the desert. But of course, while she could get her out of her sight, Hagar could not be banished from the sight of God. And in the 16th chapter of the book of Genesis, we read that as Hagar in her sorrow and banishment is in the desert, in verse 10, we read, And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for the multitude. This is almost exactly the same message that had been given to Abraham. As Hagar meditated upon this visitation that she had gotten from the angel of the Lord, 
She realized that she had been visited by someone greater than an angel. And she knew that the angel was God himself, and she spoke the same thing. Notice verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also seen him who sees me? Later on, Hagar is once again sent to the desert by Sarah. Can you imagine? She was kicked out of the house twice, sent to the desert twice. By this time, when she is thrown out of the house, Ishmael has become a young boy. And as we look in on her this time, she has given up all hope of existence. She is out of water. She is out of food. She has taken little Ishmael over and put him under a shrub, and she's waiting for him to die. And the scripture says she couldn't stand to watch it, so she removed herself a distance. But Ishmael began to cry. In fact, you know what the word Ishmael means? It means the God who hears. Ishmael began to cry. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 21 and verse 17 what happened. Turn over right again toward Genesis 21. And notice verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now watch the text carefully. God heard the child's voice. The angel of God spoke to her from heaven. And if you'll go down in your Bibles to verse 19, you will realize, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. If you read this story carefully, you will discover that God and the angel of God are used interchangeably. They're the same person. Continue in your reading in the Old Testament, and let's look at for a moment the man Abraham, just one chapter over in chapter 22. As Abraham is up on Mount Moriah, he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac in obedience to the Lord. And the Bible says that he has stopped from doing so. And once again, here's the angel of the Lord, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And in verse 12 we read, and he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Now watch this, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from who? From me. The angel of the Lord is saying what you would expect God to say. It is obvious from this statement by the angel that he is speaking as God. The word me in the text is capitalized to introduce deity into the text. And in the following verses, if you read this story carefully, you will discover that the angel of the Lord reiterates everything that the Lord himself had told Abraham. The point is in this very familiar chapter that the angel of the Lord speaks and Abraham receives his words as from the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? It is the Lord himself in an appearance as an angel in the Old Testament before Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. Let's look at Jacob, another person in the Old Testament. Do you remember the story of Jacob, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament? Jacob is a guy who got what he deserved. Have you ever thought about that? His name means trickster. That's what the word Jacob means. And he was a trickster. You remember the story of how he defrauded his own father. And every time you find Jacob, he's trying to fool somebody. He's conning somebody. Well, God had had it with Jacob, and he decided it was time to teach him a lesson, so he sent him to live with his uncle, Laban. And if Jacob was a trickster, then Laban gets the award. 
Because Laban was a lot worse than Jacob. And, you know, I've always loved the story about how he worked for this man to try to get the wife he wanted. And he kept getting the wrong woman. Have you noticed that in the Old Testament? I can't imagine it. You talk about an admission of love. He worked all those years and he kept getting the wrong woman. In fact, in the text, you can go read it when you have a chance. One morning he woke up thinking he was in bed with one woman. And it says in the scripture, and lo, it was the wrong woman. He thought he had married one woman and he got the wrong one. And he had to work seven more years to get the right one. Well, finally, when Laban was finished teaching Jacob all the lessons that he needed to learn, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to Jacob and told him to go back to his homeland. And I want you to look, if you will, in your Bibles in the 31st chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 31. And in Genesis chapter 31 and verse 11, notice this. And the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, he's telling now his wife about his dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. The angel of the Lord continues to speak and further identifies himself. Verse 13, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. What? Jacob learned was that when the angel of the Lord spoke to him, it was God speaking to him. It wasn't just a superior angel. It was God speaking to him as an angel, the angel of the Lord. In fact, turn over in your Bibles to the very end of the book of Genesis and the 48th chapter. Genesis chapter 48, verses 15 and 16. One of the last things that Jacob did before he died was to get all of his 12 sons together and bless them. And as he's giving his blessing to Joseph, once again, he uses the word angel and the word God as though they were the same person. Genesis 48, verses 15 and following. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Who is the angel of the Lord, class? Are you getting the picture? The angel of the Lord is God himself and the second person of the Godhead intervening in the lives of people in the Old Testament. Let's talk about Moses for a minute. You know, I always love the story of Moses because Moses was called to do something no human would ever choose to do. In fact, if God hadn't given him a singular call to ministry, Moses never would have made it. Let's think about it for a moment. What was he called to do? Lead a bunch of complaining Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land and only get them barely out of the land and they start complaining about how good it was back in slavery. Remember that? If Moses hadn't been called of God, he would have quit a hundred thousand times. So God gave him a call and it was a call he would never forget. One day he was keeping the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. And as he was going through the shepherd land, all of a sudden he came on a bush. You remember this story? And the bush was on fire, but the bush was not consumed. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Exodus and chapter three. Once again, we're just moving through the pages of the Old Testament. Exodus chapter three. And verses 1 and 2. And this is what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord. Here's our angel again. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but it was not consumed. And God had Moses' attention. He is going to listen to what happens. Moses tried to get closer to look at the burning bush, to check it out, to find out what it was all about. And we read in verse 5 
Then he said from the bush, he was told, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. This is the angel of the Lord speaking to Moses. What other angel have we studied who has ever given you the impression that he was to be worshiped or that he was in some way to be adored as is God himself? There is none. In fact, in the New Testament, we are told that angels continually spoke to those who thought to worship them and said, do not worship me. I am not to be worshiped, but God alone. But here, Moses is told to take his shoes off because he is standing on holy ground. Immediately, Moses knew who he was dealing with. Notice chapter 3, verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard that, we are told, he hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Who was the angel of the Lord? The angel of the Lord was God. He was not just an angel, not just an ordinary angel. And friends, if you don't understand this, when you read the Old Testament, after all we've studied about angels, you're going to be very confused because this angel is not like any other angel we have talked about. Later on, when Moses was getting further instructions about what he was to do in his ministry, he asked God a question here in this third chapter in verse 13. Notice. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14. And God said to Moses, say, I am who I am. And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And who is this talking? It is God. And who is it that appeared to Moses? It was the angel of the Lord. Do you get the picture? Who is the angel of the Lord class? It is God. It is God in the Old Testament appearing through the angel of the Lord in exactly the same way that Jesus became flesh and was one of us starting in the book of Luke. And it is true with the children of Israel as well. Do you remember how the children of Israel were called out of Egypt? And they had no idea where they were going. They left Egypt and they were sent out into the wilderness. They had no maps. None of them had a wife to tell them which way to turn. They were really in a lot of trouble. They were in a lot of trouble because they didn't know where to go. And so God had a special guidance plan for them. Do you remember his plan? Turn in your Bibles to the 13th chapter of the book of Exodus. And I'm not asking you to turn very many pages. Just over to the 13th of Exodus. And I want you to notice... In chapter 13 and verse 21, it says, And the Lord went before the Israelites by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. Now, let me ask you this. Who did this for them? What does it say? The Lord did it, right? Turn to the next chapter, chapter 14. And notice verse 19 of chapter 14, and you will see almost exactly the same verse, but with somebody else's name at the front of it. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood. Now, what does it say? In the 13th chapter, God did it. In the 14th chapter, the angel of God did it. Who are these two people? They are one in the same. The angel of the Lord, the angel of God, is God coming down in the form of this special angel to intervene in the lives and the ministries of his people. No ordinary angel in either the Old or the New Testament is ever so associated. So now, when you see that in the Old Testament, you know that's Jesus. That's Jesus before Bethlehem. That's the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord. 
Tomorrow we will finish up our discussion of this particular topic. Then on Thursday and Friday, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving together on the air as we talk about that important subject. Back again on Monday with Angels and Jesus, and then Angels and You, and then we'll be finished with the series. But ladies and gentlemen, before we get finished with the series, don't miss the opportunity to get the resources we're making available. You can get the book on Angels, a 240-page book on angels that I've written. That's yours for a gift of any size during the month of November. If you have that book or you would rather have something else, we have an option for you this month. You can order the Why the Nativity movie on DVD, and we'll send the movie to you so you'll have it for Christmas, be able to share it with your family, and enjoy the beautiful cinematography of Why the Nativity. These are yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point. Thank you again for being here today. We'll see you next time. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, What the Bible Reveals. Uplifting and helpful, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several distinctive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, on Turning Point. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Comedian Lily Tomlin said this about the rat race of life. The trouble with the rat race, she said, is even if you win, you're still a rat. Nobody likes to be called a rat, so let's think of the race of life in a different way. The Apostle Paul, near the end of his life, wrote that he had finished the race that God had set before him. What he meant was that he had kept the faith. 
that he had remained faithful to what God had called him to do. I hope your goal is to say the same thing in your life. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how to finish God's race on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today. 